We at V2V Community Church believe in the authority of the Word of God. We teach and expound from the scriptures which forms the foundation of our faith. We pray that this message blesses you. we were in Spain and when we were witnessing to a group of young people, many of them are in church today because we share the faith with them. And many of us live our lives day in, day out, and we don't open our mouths. Can I tell you this morning, I don't care what you do in church, whether you play an instrument, you sing a song, you usher, you give out bags to, to visitors, it does, that's not your primary. I said that's not your primary. I don't care what job you do. You may be a doctor, you may be a nurse, you may be a lawyer, you may be an accountant. That's not your primary. You may be a husband, you may be a wife. That's not your primary. Your primary purpose on this earth, each and every one of us in this room, is to win the loss to Christ. And many times we hear the messages, it's kind of, there's two things that makes people, um, their spirits drop, is when you talk about money and you talk about souls. But this morning, we're not going to drop in our spirits, we're not going to get depressed about it, but we're going to wake up to the fact that unless I open my mouth, there are connections I could have made that I'll never make, I'll never see those individuals again. I believe when Pastor met Parisha at that wedding, it was divine. Every time we come across a loss, it's divine. Divine connections, divine opportunities. And if we fail to open our mouths, that life walks away without change. Because we failed to do what we've been positioned here to do. Can you say amen? You're not here to get married. You're not here to get rich. You're not here to have an easy life. You're here to snatch souls from the, the mouth of Satan. You're here to rescue those that he has in their mouths, those that were doomed for hell. Your job, our job, is to witness to them. Many of us are so busy giving ourselves away. We give ourselves away to things, to other pursuits, and then we give God the leftovers. I said, we're guilty of giving God the leftovers, the dregs, because we give our best to everything else that's important to us. But when it comes to the things of God, we give him what's left. Kind of like we do that with our tithes. We don't want to give God our best, so we give him what's left. That's okay, I'm not looking for you to jump up and down on this message this morning. But that's fine. We need to get focused. You know, the, um, the last term, I'm on second, um, second um, tuition with Bible school. But um, I taught first year um, for the month of February on the, um, the history of Christianity. And I just want to say to you, if you've never done Bible school, you need to go. You need to go. You don't know what you think you know. And even if you've done Bible school, I would say do a refresher. Oh, I'm just getting blown down with your enthusiasm. The Bible says you are to study, to show yourself approved unto God. Many of us are in this church and churches around the world, and we don't know what we think we know. 
Because if I fired some questions from Bible school to you, most of you would not be able to answer those questions. Most of you in this room do not know the history of the faith that you're part of. You don't know the origin. You know nothing about it. And if you're relying on a message on a Sunday or a message on a Wednesday or any message that you Google from the internet, that's not enough. You need to study to show yourself approved to him. Amen. Turn in your Bibles with me to Joel chapter 2 verse 1. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Joel 2 1 says, blow the trumpet. And most of my scriptures are taken from the Amplified um, to bring out the message this morning. But it says in Joel 2 1, blow the trumpet in Zion, warning them of impending judgment. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble and shudder in fear. For the judgment day of the Lord is coming and it's close at hand. Many of us know that the times and the season that we're in, that the return of Christ is close at hand. And whether Jesus was coming back today or in five years or ten years from now, we do not know the number of days that individuals that we come across on a daily basis, we do not know their time. It could be one time encounter that you meet with them. But if they die and leave this earth without having made Jesus Christ their Lord, having accepted the forgiveness of their sins, they are going to go straight to hell. God said, it this way that I'm not willing that any should perish but that all should come to a place of repentance and he has given each and every one of us something that we can share with the lost and dying world it's not God's will that anyone goes into hell hell was created for the devil and his angels not mankind and if they don't hear the gospel how will they be saved If you don't open your mouth, how will they be saved? And what we don't realize, we think people don't want this. They want it. I said they want it, but they don't know where to go. You know, we assume that people know what to do, know where to go. They don't know. I can only speak for myself. When I got saved, I was searching. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to ask. Usually when we're unsaved, we don't have any unsaved friends. We don't have, sorry, we don't have any Christian friends. We didn't have, the only person I could think of was my brother at the time who was the seventh day. And we, called, we invited him around because we were looking for God. We wanted to serve God, but we didn't know how. We, we couldn't save ourselves. We, we needed somebody to tell us how to go, how to go about it, how to get there. But we couldn't find anyone. So we began looking We began searching for somebody that would tell us. And we eventually, my brother didn't know how to tell me. Maybe he's not, he wasn't saved himself, but he couldn't tell me the way to salvation. If I don't know how to get to Scotland and you do, there's no point me guessing. I need you to tell me how to get there. Do you know how to get to Christ? Do you know? Not everybody's answering. I said, do you know? Then if I don't know, I need you to tell me. The world out there, they don't know. They need, they're relying on you to tell them. They're relying on you. There's a responsibility on you to tell them. 
And many, some people will say, well, I, you know, I drive, I don't meet people. But you work with unsaved. You've got a job, right? You go to school, you go to college, you, you do meet them. So it's for us to tell them whether, the way to salvation. So the scripture here in Joel says, says it all. It says, blow your trumpet. Your trumpet is your voice. Your trumpet is your voice. And we're to warn people, to witness to them of the impending judgment. We can't sound the alarm if we ourselves are spiritually asleep or distracted with the trinkets of the world. Many of us today are busy playing with the trinkets. You know, the things that, the trinkets are the stuff you're going to have to leave behind. We're busy distracted with the trinkets and the sparkly things that surround us in this world. But none of that stuff is any good to you in heaven. You neither can take it there. The Bible said where moth or rust will corrupt or where thieves will break through and steal. That's not your focus. Our focus should be on the Father's kingdom and his business. We can't sound the alarm if our passion is more for the things of this world than they are for the kingdom of God. And if we are honest in this room, if we are honest in this room, we should all put our hands up and say, I'm more concerned about my kingdom than I am about his. We will go to such great lengths when it comes to making money. We will give so much time when it comes to making our lives more prosperous more wealthy, but we give God the dregs of our day. Many of us, he doesn't even get that. 1 Corinthians 9.16 says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He's saying, don't pat me on the back because I witness and preach and proclaim. Don't applaud. Yes, pastor's witnessed to, to people, shown you some people that he's personally witnessed and led to Christ. But don't clap and applaud for that. We should get excited about the fact that we have bought people. It's not good enough that you sit back and you look at um, people that's bought by other people. Each one of us in this room should have somebody that we have brought to church that will give their lives to Christ today. Every single week. I've lost you. He says, don't pat me on the back, Paul's saying. I witness and I preach and I proclaim. I have to do these things. And when we get to the place where we recognize and, re and regard witnessing as something, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. It's in my bones. I have to do this. He's saying, for me, witnessing is not an option. Told your neighbor, witnessing is not an option. It's not for the pastor. It's for everyone. I said it's for everyone. And we can't say we're shy. You're lying. Don't tell me you're shy. You're lying. Because when you're ready, hello, when you're ready, you talk. Let someone upset you and you find out how, how, how you talk. 
I've seen people that didn't have no mouth, they act like mouse. But you, you get on the wrong side of them, you see their mouth is really open. So don't tell me, that's, that's a lame excuse. Don't tell me you're shy. We went from being saved one minute, and yes, I was shy, extremely shy. Didn't have confidence to talk to people. Two days later, though, I found myself on the streets of London witnessing to people. I found myself sitting on the side of a street on the pavement with homeless people who were sitting in cardboard boxes wrapped up in cardboard to keep themselves warm at night. You know what that did for me? Because we don't expose ourselves to that. We have no compassion for them. You know what that did for me? The first time I went out, I cried like a baby. I didn't know people lived like that. Because I was in my comfortable zone. I didn't know people lived on the streets. I didn't know people slept on cardboard boxes. And it broke my heart open to the point where compassion began to flow. And every single week, we would take our time. We weren't partying. We weren't going to nice restaurants. We weren't having this major social life, which is what you guys do today. It's all about the social. No, it's not. You've lost your focus. You've lost your focus, I said. We were praying for hours in our flat with a group of other like-minded believers And we were interceding for the lost. Then we would load up in our cars at midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And you'd find us in the uh, embankment. You'd find us at Trafalgar Square. You'd find us at King's Cross where the prostitutes were. You would find us in Balham where the prostitutes were. People that were in darkness, we needed to bring the light. Our light in this room isn't affecting anyone. It needs to get into dark places. And we began to witness to people. And we, not bragging, but we cleaned up Balaam. Balaam was like, if you went Balaam in the evenings, it was pure prostitutes. And here I am, no excuses, heavily pregnant. I was heavily pregnant with Danny. And I would try and cover it up with my coat because I needed the men. Because we weren't just going after the prostitutes, we were going after the men that were coming there for the prostitutes. And the men would pull up on the curb, and I remember we'd lean in the window like we're going to like make a deal, or whatever prostitutes do. And they would say, how much? And I said, do you know Jesus loves you? <laughs> do you know Jesus died for you? And this conviction, they would like, didn't know, because that's the last thing you expect. You're like, like trying to pull a prostitute and you end up being preached at about Jesus. So we, we would give them tracks and you just see these men wind up their windows and drive off. You know, when we first went there, because some of you are like, oh, well, the persecution, you know. No, they used to cuss us out. Street language cussed us out. And that didn't put us off because you know why they cussed us out? They thought we were on their patch and we were doing tricks or whatever you want to call it. But when they realized and they saw our heart and they saw that we were there because we cared about them, who else would be out there at 2 o'clock in the morning if you didn't care? And we would go out there and we would witness to them and we couldn't find a prostitute after a while in Balham. So, okay, we shut down the red light district. Then we went to King's Cross and we began to do the same thing again. And you know what? Nothing would have changed if we had not gone. 
Nothing would have changed if we were, oh, woe is me. I can't witness. I can't talk. We didn't know anything. You know way more than we did. All we knew was Jesus loves you. That was enough to draw people to Christ. You know way more than that. We didn't even know. When someone said they were, you know, showed interest, we had to call somebody else who had been saved longer, who knew how to pray the sinner's prayer. We didn't even know that. So we have no excuse. Say, I have no excuse. Romans 13, 11 says, do this, knowing that this is a critical time. Knowing that this is a critical time, it is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep of spiritual complacency. For our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed in Christ. It is a critical time to awake from our spiritual complacency. Would you agree with me this morning that there is a spiritual complacency that is upon Christians worldwide? It's the truth. We get more excited. We post more um, stuff about ourselves and our social life on social media than we do about Christ. We'll photograph food like you've never seen it before. You know, all that shows me is you don't know, you're not accustomed to nice restaurants. Because who's interested in what's on your plate? Can you say amen? This is a critical time. Our world is in a critical place. We see stuff on our news today that ought not to be. But we're asleep. And we see it and we're like, oh, what a shame. And we carry on. Oh, shame. Oh, how awful is that? And we talk about it and most of us never pray. We mention it and we'll go back, right back to carrying on with our lives, totally unaffected by what we're reading about. This week I read about a 16-year-old boy who abducted a six-year-old girl. He brutalized her and killed her. That shouldn't be happening on our watch. That shouldn't be something that we read about or hear about or see and we not be affected. But church, in reality today, we, ca- we hear these things on the news and we're not affected. Our world today, if you take a good look at it, take a good look at it. We don't want to raise kids in this. We have pedophiles. We have trafficking, human beings, women being abducted, kidnapped, and put into slavery today. In this day and age, there are people being trafficked, there are children being abducted and kidnapped and trafficked. In our day, and we have no compassion, we don't don't do anything about changing the world that we're in today. We don't open our mouths. Maybe that one person that we witness to, maybe somebody we get saved. Not just saved from sin, but saved from the life that would, that would cause them to come to a place of harm. Don't blame God and say, why is this happening? When on our watch, we're not opening our mouths. On our watch, we're not doing our job. If you went into work tomorrow and you weren't doing your job, you'd get fired. We're in the kingdom and we, I'm good, I'm saved. I've got my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Good riddance to everyone else. 
That's our, that's our stance by the, by the things that we don't do. Your silence is fine. I'm comfortable with that. There's a spiritual sleep that he's referring to in Romans 13. And he was right. The church is sleeping in a noisy room full of lost people. I said the church is sleeping in a noisy room full of lost people. We walk down the streets. We go on trains. We, go, we meet people on a regular basis. But we are asleep in a room full of noisy lost people. A vast majority of our nation doesn't know Christ. We should not be okay with that. We walk right past them every day in our shops. When you go shopping, when, you, when you're busy looking for the next dress, the next pair of shoes, the next outfit, you're sleeping in a noisy room full of lost people. We walk past them at, in the shops. We walk past them at work. We walk past them in the streets. We're sleepwalking. We're spiritually sleepwalking. There are six billion people that are alive on this planet, but most of them are spiritually dead, and it is for us to bring a gospel to them that will cause them to come alive. And there's those of us who are supposedly spiritually alive, but we're in some kind of stupor, stumbling around spiritually at its best because we don't know the purpose of the church. We don't understand the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church wasn't so that you could come in, dress up in a nice suit and usher. The purpose of the church wasn't that we could come in and have an amazing worship, as great as that is. That's not our purpose. Look at the church when it began. Read your Bibles again. The book of Acts. The church began and the moment that they began preaching, thousands upon thousands were saved. The gospel was taken not just in Jerusalem, but from there, those disciples that we read about, those men who before they got born again was in, um, insecure, afraid, all kinds of stuff. But the moment they accepted the Christ that we have in our hearts, they were transformed and they went everywhere tell your neighbor everywhere they went everywhere spreading this gospel if they hadn't gone out you and I would not be here if they had not gone out you and I would not be here Thank God that somebody was bold enough to carry this gospel, even at the detriment of their lives. In fact, you know, out of all the disciples, nine of them lost their lives for the gospel's sake. They, did, they weren't afraid of, losing, of leaving this life because they understood what it means to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We don't want to die. We, we, we won't even live for him. But we, don't want, we want to live forever here. Listen, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That is our ultimate goal, to make heaven. And if you're saying, well, not yet, then do something while you're here, while you have life. You know, when someone dies, once you die, you lose the ability to choose where you spend eternity. We know that. Once you die, the state you die in is a state that you remain in. You know that. 
So once somebody leaves this, their body, their physical body, or they get to a place where they, they have to depart and they've not made a decision to accept for them what Jesus Christ did on the cross because the Bible tells us you cannot enter heaven. Jesus is the only way. It's not all religions lead to one place. There's only one way into heaven. And when we don't understand our faith, when we don't understand Christianity, we believe that lie. Let me tell you, it's not every, everyone will come before the judgment seat of Christ. But there is only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ accepting him as Lord and Savior. Once in a while, we have one or two saved. But I tell you, it's time to wake up. It's time we had a goal and a vision to see this altar filled with souls every single week. Is it because we're trying to get, grow a big church? No. Because if we wanted to grow a massive church, we'll just stop preaching messages like this. But it's about affecting the world today. Jonah was a good sleeper. He slept the sleep of, I'm not concerned. God told him to preach to the Assyrians in Nineveh, but he went the opposite direction, like many of us today. He boarded a ship and he went to sleep. A sleep of, I'm not concerned. It wasn't that, just that he didn't care if they went to hell. In fact, Jonah wanted God to punish those people. That's why Jonah didn't want to go there because he knew that if he went and preached to them that God would save those people. So Jonah wanted them to go to hell. Do you want people to go to hell? Do you want the wicked to suffer? That wasn't a very good no, I'm not convinced. I said, do you want the wicked to go to hell? Then preach. Stop looking for this pulpit. This isn't the one you're called to. This is mine and pastors and whoever we invite to preach in here. Stop looking for an opportunity when you have pulpits on every street corner. You have a pulpit in your street. You have a pulpit in your workplace. You have a pulpit wherever you want to establish one. Can you say amen? Ask God to give you creative ideas. Go buy yourself a hat. I tell you, this one will get you a crowd. Go buy yourself a hat. Put it down in the middle of somewhere very public and begin to scream at the top of your voice, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. They're going to look at you. You know what? People's nosiness, their curiosity, they're going to want to see what's alive. And you know what's under the hat? Your Bible. When you get a big enough crowd, here's your pulpit. You pick up the hat, put it on your head, and you take up your Bible, and you begin to preach to them Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, this is not it. This is not it. How it must frustrate the grace of God, the church today. How we must be frustrating the grace of God. Can God be frustrated in his grace? Yes. 
Yes, 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 yes. How frustrating it must be that Jesus has done everything. He's done all the hard work. And all we have to do is open our mouths and we won't. We frustrate the grace of God. And then we come with our beggar's hat. And we're like, God, bless me with this. God, give me a husband. God, give me a car. God, give me, give me, give me, give me. But you won't give him nothing. You don't give him squat, but you always got your hand out. We frustrate the grace of God. And we have the audacity to even get mad at God for not giving us the things we ask for when we give him nothing. Let me tell you something. You don't do God a favor coming here today. You may think, well, I've done it. I've done my job. God must be well pleased with me. He's well pleased with you when you do this. This is where he's well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. When you're doing the word, when you recognize this is the purpose of the church, this is our reason why we're here. Until this gospel is preached to the ends of the world, he cannot come. Until we begin to have a passion to see people saved. Let me tell you something, church. When you're busy about the Father's business, you ain't got time to be sweating about the nonsense we sweat about. Oh, I'm offended. Oh, whatever. Oh, I'm hurt. Whatever. Do the work kingdom business. You won't have time to be introverted when you're seeing people come into the kingdom. Can you say amen? We can shake our heads at what Jonah did. But what about us? Aren't we sleeping the sleep of I'm not concerned about what's going on in my world? When we can talk to our neighbors, our work colleagues, we go to work and we can talk. We talk to our neighbors. We, 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 if we see our neighbor, we'll talk to them. Our work colleagues, our friends, our families, we can talk to them about anything but the gospel. Aren't we sleeping the sleep of I'm not concerned about where you go? Is there a hell or not? Is there a hell? Do you believe there is a hell? Would you like to go there? Well, why would we be happy to know that is the destination of someone else? Do we care? Do you care? I'm not even getting a response from some of you. I said, do you care? Because, you know, you can't just care and you don't do anything. When you care about something, you want to get involved. When we care about something, we, we lend our voice to it. Another example of spiritual sleep. Remember Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were asleep. Jesus was in the most desperate struggle of his life, and they slept. Jesus said to them, watch with me, pray with me. He was in the most desperate struggle. In fact, the Bible said he sweated. His sweat was as great drops of blood. He was in his most desperate struggle, and those believers were asleep. We are in the most desperate times of the history of this world, and we are asleep. We have craziness going on 
around the world. Do you know, someone sent me this this week, that um, these children's videos, these things that we let our children watch, these things are put together by Satanists, I think. On YouTube, there are things like Paw Patrol. Anyone let their kids watch Paw Patrol? They time it so that there is nothing showing the first few moments when parents would be checking. But in the middle of the thing, there is things like how to open your veins up correctly, how to kill yourself. These are, these are little kids. That's what they, they slip that into the cartoon. There's another one that says how to turn on the gas without lighting it um, when your parents go to bed. They're teaching children about killing themselves, about killing their families. There's witchcraft. There is sexual things that's shown in children's cartoons. Because we're not awake. We're asleep. We put our children, don't look shocked, just wake up. I said, don't look shocked, wake up. Because if you're paying attention, you'll know what's going on. And we, the Christians is one of the most gullible and green bunch of people when it comes to what the devil's up to. He's not even playing. I said he's not playing. He's not hiding anymore. Years ago, it was all very subtle, very covered up. Now witchcraft is just prevalent. Kids are becoming witches at young ages, 9, 10, 11. They, they are you, uh, someone was telling me about their child going to a nursery and a little five-year-old says, I'm a witch. Where did they learn that? Because we're not paying attention. That child says, I'm a witch. And they're like, how do you know you're a witch? Well, I, I travel during the night. That child of five is astro projecting. We're not awake. We're not awake. We, we, we're asleep to what our world looks like today. We're so cocooned and so introverted in our lives that we're oblivious to what's going on in our world today. People are, are being sacrificed in our world today. People are being sold into trafficking and slavery in our world today. Some of you young people, you want to do these holidays um, and go strange places or go places by yourself, you don't realize that when you come out of the airport, there are people, traffickers, waiting to snatch you, take you, and your family will never hear from you again. That's the world that we live in today. So you thought Sodom and Gomorrah was bad. No, today's bad. We live in a dangerous world. We can't even go down anywhere without protection today. Years ago, we used to be able to come home from school and we were like the latchkey generation. You just had to put your hand through the letterbox and pull the key to open your door. Everybody knew that everybody's keys was dangling on the inside of their letterbox. It was that safe. You could park your baby's pram outside of a shop, go in the shop, get your stuff and come out. Your child was still there. Try that today. Try that today. And see if your baby's still there when you come back. We live in a dangerous world, but we're asleep. We're asleep spiritually to the things that's going on around us. 
Jesus was going through his most desperate struggle of his life, but Peter, John, and James were asleep. Jesus knew that just a few hours ahead of him was a cross where he would literally become sin, but they were asleep. He asked three of those closest to him to go with him and pray. What an opportunity. Let me tell you, church, today, we have an opportunity. What do you do with opportunities when they present themselves? Oh, my gosh. You are so asleep. I said, if an opportunity presented, oh, let's put it this way. It's something that will get you awake. If someone gave you an opportunity to make Several millions in just a couple of hours, would we have your attention? Of course you would. But when it comes to spiritual things, and we see every soul that we meet is an opportunity. It's going to yield a far greater reward than all the money in the world that you have to leave behind. Every time we come in contact with someone unsaved, it's an opportunity. If we will only begin to see it that way, it's an opportunity. It is a chance of a lifetime. To pray with the Son of God in His greatest hour of need, what an opportunity. But guess what they did? They fell asleep. They acted as if they had no idea what was going on. They must not have sensed the fact that what was about to happen would change history forever. What was at stake? Yet they fell asleep. What is at stake today if we're asleep? How many of you know in your heart that this is you? That in the midst of this desperate time that we're in, that there's people that are desperate to hear this gospel. How many of you acknowledge that that's you? You're sleeping through this crucial time in our history. This is you, whether you want to admit it or not. This is us. This is a church today. We have opportunities, but we don't take them because we feel embarrassed about the people and what they'll think about us. Who cares about your reputation? A dead man doesn't have a reputation. So you drop the ball. But eternity is at stake. Major things are happening. And I believe God's work is the most important work in the world. God's work is more important than your job. God's work is more important than anything else that you do. That is the most important thing. And we need to be prepared. I believe Christians today are much like those disciples. We're sleeping. But guess what? It's time to wake up. Before the Titanic struck... Before it struck the iceberg, it received five telegraph warnings about icebergs. If they had heeded the warning, if they'd heard and paid attention to the warnings and paid attention to that announcement that's going out, beware, there's icebergs ahead. If they had changed their course, those lives would not have been lost. If we will change our course... There will, instead of lives being lost, there will be lives saved. I said, if we will change our course, lives will be saved instead of lost. If we will change our course, can you say amen? They ignored all those warnings. And we all know the story. The Titanic sank and a lot of people lost their lives it really wasn't about the inadequacy 
of the amount of or the lack of lifeboats. Because we can blame that as a reason for people losing their lives. We could blame the fact, we could put it on the fact that they said, even, not even God can sink this ship. We could say that was the reason. But if only those who had the ability to change course listened. We have the ability, the God-given ability to change the course and the direction of people's lives. But if we don't listen to what God is saying to us today, lives will be lost on your watch. Lives that you were called to touch and reach. People that you meet that I don't meet. There are people that we meet. Everywhere we go, we're mindful of this gospel. We're mindful that we are God's alarm, God's mouthpiece, God's horn to let people know you need Christ. Whether we're at a restaurant, we're always thinking souls. We could be out for a, a dinner, for a lunch, wherever we find ourselves, we are mindful of the Father's kingdom. We're mindful of the Father's business. We will be at dinner and we, we're witnessing to the waiter serving us. We get into a taxi cab and guess what? We're witnessing to the driver. We do it all the time. We're mindful of the people God puts us in contact with, the paths that we cross. I don't want to stand before God and, said, and for him to tell me that because you didn't open your mouth, that person is in hell because of you. How many people have slipped through the net and gone into that place of hell because we didn't open our mouths? How much blood is on our hands? And it's quiet in V2V church today, but that's okay. Let the Holy Spirit convict your heart. How many of us have blood on our hands? How many of us have blood on our hands? 35 minutes after the final warning to the Titanic, they were sinking. They had 35 minutes to change. Tell your neighbor it was enough time. But then you get to a place where you run out of time. See, it's listening to the alarm and acting on the moment of the alarm. When that alarm sounded today, you were packing up your bags. Some of you already were on your feet. You were ready to act straight away on the alarm. Ushers were scrambling because we didn't tell them we wanted it to be authentic. Ushers were getting to, ready to go into fire drill. They didn't know because we hadn't pre-warned them. They didn't know if it was real or this was a test. But we were ready to move. Because we heard an alarm. I pray today that you are ready to move because you hear this alarm. And I believe that God impresses on my spirit because it is time to wake out of sleep. It is time to wake out of sleep. The, the, the ship sank. History records that crew as criminally complacent. The crew were regarded as criminally complacent. What will this generation go down in the records as being? What will our generation go down in the records? Of will we go to be known in history as being criminally complacent when it comes to the gospel? Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for conviction. Thank you, Father God, for change. Even as your word is preached, I release my faith for change in this church, in the hearts of the believers, even those listening. Father God, I pray that we will shift our focus to our true purpose. Luke chapter 9 from verse 1, I'm reading from the Amplified 1 through to 6. Jesus called together the 12 disciples and gave them the right to exercise power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Verse 2, then he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God. I said he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey that might encumber you, neither a walking stick nor bag nor bread nor money. Do not even have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city to go to another. And as for all those who do not welcome you, when you leave that city, shake off the dust of your feet, breaking all ties with them as a testimony against them that they rejected my message. Verse 6, so they began going from village to village. What were they doing? Preaching the gospel, healing the sick. We are called to preach the gospel, heal the sick. Preach the gospel, heal the sick. Preach the gospel, heal the sick. Preach the gospel. What was the, what's the purpose of the church? Preach the gospel, heal the sick. Not conference to conference not running around looking for the next place to get blessed. Preach the gospel, heal the sick. Preach the gospel, heal the sick. Say it with me. Preach the gospel, heal the sick. Say it again. Say it again. Now say, I am called to preach the gospel and heal the sick. Say it again. Say it again. Say it like you believe it. Say it like you're going to do it. I'm not convinced. Say it like you're going to do it. We are called to preach the gospel and heal the sick. How are they going to heal themselves? So we're touching them spirit and body. Preach the gospel, heal the sick. That's what we're called to do. Not fight amongst each other. Not be jealous of each other. Not be fighting for positions in church. Not be fighting for platforms. But we are called to preach the gospel, heal the sick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preach the gospel, heal the sick. As we are about the Father's business, then the gifts of the Holy Spirit that is placed on the inside of us will begin to manifest. We have gifts on the inside of us and because we won't open our mouths, those gifts are not released. We're not using the gifts because we're not doing the preach the gospel, heal the sick. When I preach the gospel, guess what? The word of knowledge, word of wisdom, tongues, interpretation of tongues, faith begins to take place. When I begin to preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, then you know what? The sick are going to raise up. The gift of faith will kick in because I need that supernatural faith for the dead to raise. I need that supernatural faith for that cripple to walk out of their wheelchair. But nothing is going to happen till I preach the gospel and heal the sick. 
Hallelujah. There's a power on the inside of you that God has equipped you, church, to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. That power is laying dormant because we got a mouth shut. I said the power of God that's on the inside of you was not there to make you look cute on a platform. It wasn't there for people to, oh, great art thou. It is when no one sees you. No one's going to applaud you. No one's going to acknowledge you but God. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can someone shout amen? Hallelujah. Say it again. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. That's what we're called to do. Preach the gospel and heal the sick. God will do the rest. And we're, we, we're worried about praying for the sick. But you've got it on the inside of you. The anointing isn't going to be released till you're doing something. We want to see the anointing. That's not faith. We want to see manifestations before we lay hands on the sick. I remember laying hands on this boy that was in a wheelchair. Um, I think he was um, paraplegic. He was literally just, he couldn't move any of his body you could see from the neck down. And he was in the, um, obviously in the lift with family. And I very discreetly just laid hands on him. And I began to hear popping, loud popping sounds. God was healing his body. We have the anointing. I said, we have the anointing not to make you look good. It's not yours. It's not to make you look good. It's not to get you on platforms. The anointing, the purpose of the anointing was to preach the gospel and heal the sick. Whether it's a sick person I see on the corner of a dark street, whether it's a sick person I meet on my journey, at work, they should be calling you. My daughter is sick at home. Will you come and pray? My husband is sick. My auntie is sick. My friend is sick. Will you come and pray? But they don't know you, of course. So they can't call you because you never opened your mouth. They can't call you because they don't know. See, we think it's about us. We think, well, it's mum shy. But you know what? I don't need the church world to know my name. <laughs> I need the lost to know my name. I need them. I don't need an invitation from another church. I don't need another speaking engagement from another church. I need a speaking engagement from the lost. I need to be called to that house. To pray for the sick. Now I've got their attention. And I can preach that gospel to them. Can you say amen? But we, we want all this stuff done for us without any faith. Let me tell you something. God is waiting for you to begin to act. I can't even find my glasses now. God is waiting for you to begin to act. God is waiting for your mouth to open. God is waiting for your mouth to open. God is waiting for you to take that step of faith. He wants to use you more than you can even dream, think, or imagine. 
Because through us, his glory is revealed in the earth. Through us, the lost know that Jesus Christ is very much alive and kicking in 2019. They don't know what goes on in here. But it's when we get out there, we take what we, we've gathered in him, we take it out there. All that information that we have stored up, we take it out there and we begin to share Jesus Christ and him crucified. Guess what? That's the only platform you'll need. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 So Jesus sent them out preaching. Verse 6, and they began to go from village to village preaching the word, healing the sick everywhere. Luke 10, verse 1 and 2. It's interesting that they didn't go. Nothing happened till they went. Jesus said, go. They went and miracles happened. Jesus is is told us already, not suggestion. He's commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. When we obey that, then we're going to see people healed, delivered, and set free. Amen. Luke 10 verses 1 and 2 says, Now after this, the Lord appointed another 70 others and sent them out ahead, two by two, into every city and place where he was about to go. He was saying to them, The harvest is abundant, for there are many who need to hear the good news about salvation. But the workers... Those available to proclaim the message of salvation are few. Jesus had the same problem that we have today. The fields are white. People are ready. They are willing. Wherever we go, we don't have to force them. We found only too willingly that when you tell people, they are, they, they, it doesn't, it's not a long debate about different parts of the Bible. Let me tell you something. Don't debate the Bible. You, if you can't understand the plan of salvation, you don't need to know what was before Genesis 1.1. The basic that they need to understand is that you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Can you say amen? Nudge your neighbor and say, wake up. This is a You're in serious trouble if you're sleeping through a message like this. If it's one thing, you make sure you get enough sleep on a Saturday night. Because church, what you need to hear, you need to be alert. Amen? I took, studied long and hard for this message. So don't sleep in front of me. Can you say amen? Don't sleep in front of me. That's that's insulting. Get some matchsticks and prop your eyelids open if you have to. But don't close your eyes in front of me. Don't tell me you're meditating. Keep them wide open. Pay attention. I'm serious. Some of you come to church and you play church. You're running up and down, cleaning toilets or holding people baby or doing all kinds of nonsense. Pay attention. Give people back their baby and pay attention. You go out there and you chat and you, you go out there like you, your baby's... You, it's just because you don't want to listen. Unless your baby is actually disrupting, you sit your behind down and listen to the word. I'm serious. <laughs> What's the game about the baby? <laughs> but we, we, we do nonsense. We come to church and we, we're... Fussing about food or if you're in the kitchen, you're in trouble today. I can't see anybody's moving over there. But, you know, I, I, I told the, girl, the ladies in the kitchen, they'll verify that. I will shut that thing down. 
Because to me, the word is more important than feeding your physical body. I will shut that down if you're in there cooking while service is going on. That's nonsense. Don't be cleaning toilets when service is going on. Some of us have an attention problem. We're worse than a five-year-old. Small children have a short attention span. Some of you are grown adults and you have a short attention span. Have I got your attention again? Amen. So the harvest is waiting for us. But who will wake from their spiritual apathy and get out there in the harvest field? I love to look up words, you know, because I, I don't assume everyone understands or even going to take the time. But the word apathy was a really interesting word. Apathy says lack of interest. This sums up how we are when it comes to preaching the gospel. Lack of interest, lack of enthusiasm, lack of concern. Very much sums up the church world today when it comes to soul winning. Indifference. Lack of interest, lack of enthusiasm, lack of concern, unconcerned, uninterested, unresponsive, passive, detached. That's how many of us are today when it comes to the most important job that the church has been commissioned to fulfill. If we were a factory and we were commissioned to make um, weapons and we're making plastic buckets instead, we've lost our focus. The church is commissioned to win souls, to win souls. I said to win souls. The church is commissioned to win souls, not do Facebook, not post random foolish pictures of ourselves on social media. The church is commissioned. The purpose of the church was to win souls. Who knows if you'll be the Peter that preaches and 3,000 people get saved in one sermon. You know what? It's not going to happen in here. How do 3,000 souls get saved except you go where there's 3,000 unsaved souls? Preach, Peter didn't preach to the, the, the saved. He preached to the lost. We want to we preach in here. We're all saved, pretty much. If we want to see 3,000 get saved, you know what? I'm going to have to find somewhere where there's 3,000 unsaved people. In fact, there's more than 3,000 because I'm sure they didn't all get saved. We have to get out where they are. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The early church did not keep their faith to themselves. Study, um, study Christian history. Those guys, you know, we regard them as disciples, apostles. But you know what they were all had in common? They were all regarded as mission, missionaries. Because they went everywhere as missionaries, not with titles. Forget the titles. Our generation want to load ourselves up on titles. I don't need titles. I just need to recognize I'm a missionary. Amen. I said, you're a missionary. I'm a missionary. Amen. What does missionaries do? Remember years ago, missionaries would go into places where the gospel had never been. But what's happened? We've stopped. There's no missionaries going out. And if we go out into those places, we go with agendas. It's not about the souls. It's about us. I see people go out today and it's about them. It's not about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about the lost. It's about them. So I can post on my Facebook how great I am, how great thou art. Well, we have nothing to brag on. Can you say amen? Let's spread the gospel. 
everywhere we go. They understood their purpose. Do you understand yours? They understood their purpose was to share the gospel to the lost. The commission is still the same. I believe fundamentally that the church needs to grasp this truth and to reorder itself so that we actually get out there in the field instead of wondering why the harvest doesn't walk through our doors. We may get one or two people that will walk through our doors because they, they're looking, but the majority of the harvest, we're going to have to go and get them. The church grew when, um, in the beginning because the people went out. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. I think many Christians today have a wrong view of the work of the kingdom. They think it's about attending church or holding a position. But if you've not been about the Father's business this week, you've not been in His will. His will for you and I is to preach the gospel to heal the sick. Not once in a while, not on a Saturday only, but every day we're meeting people we're, meet, we're having opportunities that are presenting themselves, and we don't see it anymore because we're not acting upon it. Hallelujah. Mark 16, verses 15 through to 20, says, And he said to them, Go into all the world, to us. He says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. He who believes in me and has been baptized will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgment. But he who has not believed will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, you will cast out demons. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll pick up serpents. And if you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will get well. So then when the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And immediately they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord was working with them and confirming the word by the signs that followed. As you begin to do the work of the kingdom, God will confirm the word. Many of us think that we're doing this in our own strength. It's not in your own strength. One of the purposes of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So when we go out there and we begin to proclaim Jesus Christ, preach the gospel and lay hands on the sick, the Holy Spirit will confirm what we're doing with signs and wonders following. Everyone who's been born again or claims to be a Christian is called to this. Being out, at the, uh, being out at work in the harvest field, that's what we're called to do. We've got to get out there in the harvest field. Don't be a recluse. Don't be an island. Get out there in the harvest field. We have so many outreaches to the lost. Get involved. Get involved. Learn how to. We have prison ministry that gets out there and witnesses to the lost. Get involved. We have a Saturday where we get out there and the, the, there's a, a team that goes out on a Saturday. Get involved. Get involved. If we said we were showing up, many of you would show up. And if we stop, you'd stop. For years and years, we have been out there. We used to go on a Sunday morning. We used to go into... Um, St. Paul's, St. Paul's um, in London, we would go up there and my husband would drive the church's coach because many of the saints were like you, they were just coming in to be blessed. And I would drive the church van and we would load that thing up to even to a place of illegal where um, those people, they were so desperate for church. They wanted to come to church so badly. Some of them, grown men, would start crying if we couldn't get them on. 
And because they so wanted to come to church, we would put them to sit on the floor in the coach. Every seat was occupied. We were filled, we filled a 54-seater 54-seater coach and a church minibus. We filled it. And here we would come into church. This is how we individually should represent church. We came into church and we had our souls behind us. I said, we came into church and we marched in with our souls behind us. So when the pastor gave an altar call, we had at least 70 people on a one Sunday. Just a couple of people who went out there and just took it upon themselves to do that. And we didn't just bring them in. We would cook for them. We would um, gather clothes for them. So we gave them spiritual food. We gave them physical food and we clothed them. There was concern. There was concern for the lost, for those that don't know Christ. There was concern. And do you know what the saints did? Very much like what many of us would do in church today. Well, they smell funny. Well, they don't look like us. And literally, we remember that day we walked in and church was filled from the front and there were seats at the back. You know what those saints did? Everyone shuffled across to the other side because they didn't want to mix with these people we were bought, that we brought in. In fact, they shut us down. This is zeal without wisdom. How blasphemous. Zeal without wisdom is dead. We were discouraged from what we were doing. Well, you're not discouraged in this church. You're encouraged to go find them. Go look. Search the highways, the byways, the street corners. It doesn't matter in this church if they're homeless. It doesn't matter if they're a bit dirty. We'll clothe them. We'll feed them. We'll, show, we'll give them Jesus. Can you say amen? They're no different to you. The only difference is you have Jesus and they don't. You once stunk like that. You once stunk like that. Sin stinks. You once looked like that. Wretched, hopeless. You look like that. Don't forget where you came from. You smelt bad. You looked bad. You may think, well, I was all of that. No, you weren't. You, in God's eyes, you look bad. You smelt bad because sin stinks in the nostrils of God. But for Jesus, we would be the same. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to run through some scriptures real quick, but I think this is important. Is that okay? Let me finish. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the, their trespasses to them. And he has committed to us, the church, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, not just by title, but because of what we do. We are ambassadors of Christ, as though God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Can you say amen? This is the absolute priority calling for us, the church. Paul challenges the, the Corinthian church to recognize that this gospel we know so well needs to be shared. 
He says to the church at Corinth and to us today that we have a duty, which is to be faithful to the one we work for. We have a duty to be faithful to him. Yes, so many of our time is spent on our own pursuits instead of the answers to the prayer that the Lord has to make, namely that the Lord of the harvest send workers. It is time for us to go back to God's own priority. We're called to mission, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick. It's time to get out the field, get out of your comfort zone. Do it afraid, whatever you say, fear is my thing, do it afraid. We're called to preach the gospel, heal the sick. This is our calling, and I pray we might have the courage to embrace it. The fields are already white unto harvest, but oh, the workers are so few. We can be a part of the answer. I know that I, I want to be. Can you say amen? Our world is under siege, and we have to raise our voices to be heard. So I'm asking you again, are we asleep? Are we asleep, or are we going to wake up? Because I'm telling you today, we need to be fully awake in these times. We need to be awake to God. We need to be awake to what's going on in our world. We need to be awake to the imminent return of Jesus Christ. We need to be awake to the knowledge that unless we speak to people, they will die in their sins. So how loud must the alarm sound before we're fully awake? Our generation are like people that have been drugged with a sedative and we sleep through all kinds of noise. We sleep through the alarm that's going forth today. I like this saying that Charles Spurgeon once said. He said, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap into hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. That's so powerful. We should not be content to watch people falling into hell. And we never prayed for them. We never witnessed to them. Jesus has entrusted to each one of us this gospel of salvation. Can you say amen? 1 Timothy 2 says, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made unto all men. We stop there. But verse 2 says, For kings and all who are in authority, and that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And many of us stop there, but it says, The reason that we pray is for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why are we praying for our leaders? Why are we praying for those in authority? Because we want to see them saved. Not just that we have an easy life, but we want to see them saved. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. So let us take the message of the cross and couple it with love so that people will be saved. Don't preach hell, preach love. Don't, they know where they're going, but preach about the love of God. Let them know that God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And let me close with this, an assignment for you. Don't let this message, don't drop it, don't lose it. Go home and read Ezekiel chapter 3. Verses 18 through to 21. Make it a priority that you read that today. 
Don't let this moment pass and you don't read that. And you see how serious that God views it when we don't witness to souls. Can you stand to your feet with me today? Thank you for listening to this message. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us at v2bcommunitychurch.com or you can contact us at v2bchurch at aol.co.uk. God bless you.